Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Hello, brother. Hello. How's everybody doing? I want to be inclusive, encourage people to join the conversation. Oh, I don't care about anybody but you. Oh, all right. This is supposed to be a date. Uh, do I sound quiet to you? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm using an electronic device to amplify your voice, but oh. no, you seem cool. Yeah, like, be. everything's cool. Just wanted to make sure. I was looking at my levels, and my levels seemed weird. Sorry, everybody. Jeez. He's got weird levels, people. The levels are just seeming weird today. I don't know what it is. Turn my left headphone up, I guess. Uh, turn that left shit up. Turn them shits up. All right, now here we go. You guys ready? Here we go. Oh, where'd the beat go? <laughs> this has been a recurring segment called uh, Judah and Matt Fondly Remember the Chappelle Show. It was great. It was, uh, you know, uh, Key and Peele is really good. I like Key and Peele a lot. I think even, um, you might even say you get uh, like a higher laugh ratio. That's, like, yeah. Per bit, you know? It's more refined, it seems like. But it just... For the time, uh, against its competition, against its peers, sort of the way I have to judge baseball players or whatever, it was just, uh, it was like Babe Ruth, dude. It was, just, it was crushing people. Yeah, I feel like Key and Peele are better character actors. For sure, because Chappelle like, always seems like Chappelle playing something. Yeah, he's mostly just Dave Chappelle yeah. in most sketches. Like a slightly exaggerated version of Dave Chappelle. Yes. So. But a lot of the stuff, uh, look, it just seemed like they were having a really good time on set there. Yeah. Uh, ad-libbing and, uh, and fucking around. But they didn't invent Le Carpetron Duke Marriott, so... <laughs> no. No, they did not. And that is a very good name. <clears throat> a lot of good names on that skit. Like, um... Oh, shit, I've forgotten most of them at this point. It's been a long time since I've quoted that skit. Get on that. I mean, everybody remembers Hingle McCringleberry. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, God. Ibrahim mm. Moises. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. The, way the two tight it. ends. The way he says it. I mean, he looks just like a way-too-serious football player would do it. Ibrahim Moises. Whatever school he was from. Yeah. Oh, I was always excited because uh, San Jose State got a shout-out in there, but unfortunately it wasn't one of the better names. No. It was just Quattro Quattro. Yeah, and eventually it starts to get into uh, some broad stuff. Sound sound effects and whatnot. It must have been a fun day in the writer's room, though. Oh, um, the artist formerly known... Yeah, the artist formerly known as Mouse Cop, I believe. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Mouse Cop. (laughs) Yeah, there are some good ones. Uh, my favorite part about both those shows is just imagining them coming up with the initial ideas. Yeah. Because when I have a good idea, that's my favorite part of life, really. Uh, is that your favorite part because you never proceed to the next step and make the good idea happen? Oh, because five seconds after I'm done enjoying having a good idea, I'm bored with the idea. No. And I don't. Having the good idea is enough. It satisfies you. Yes, which is why I'm such a lazy, slovenly, horrible person. Plus, I've got depression. I feel like I have to add that every episode. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, I would I would get that shirt, but I don't want to have to explain it to people. Look, let's put it this way. I watched a real terrible DS9 episode today where Jake... It's a fucking Jake Sisko episode. Uh, is getting hella good writing ideas because an alien lady keeps touching his forehead or whatever. Yeah. Making his, He's got a muse. Making his creativity come out so she can eat his creativity juices or whatever and, oh okay uh, cool and i and so he, she's guys, a 
she's a polymorph. Something like that, yeah. And uh, but like, yeah, he's, I'm sorry, she's an emo hawk. He, uh, oh, is that the cool one where Rimmer turns into that hippie? Yeah, I like that one. Uh, anyway, and he's like gonna die in like two days because he's gonna expend all his creativity juice or whatever. Oh right, because that is that's a physical. Uh-huh. It has physical reality, and you can be depleted of it. Yep, and it kills you when you are out. Um, yep, so, that's idiotic, but that's fine. But I did find myself going, eh, I'd make that trade. <laughs> it's just to have some creativity yep. and some good ideas. Just to give me two days of good ideas that I could like put down on paper somewhere, and then you know what? If I go, that's fine. Because that's more than I'm going to accomplish, like, on this pace. You know? Sorry, everybody. It's depressing. Dog, you do got depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'll be on Cafe Press later getting you that shirt made. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Uh, can it start with, you know that episode in DS9 where Jake meets that lady and she touches his forehead and he gets all creative? Can that be on the front of the shirt? Oh, no. I'm just going to straight make you a shirt that says, I'm the guy that sucks on the front and, and on the back, plus, plus I, I got depression. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. I can't believe you have to go to Cafe Press for that. You can probably buy that, right? That's not one of the ones he sells in the Aquid shop. Oh. We're talking about Aquid now, everybody. Oh, yeah. all Everything's referential. We don't, again, I don't have, I, that's what I've been saying for the last five minutes. <clears throat> so, everything's a reference. What have you been up to, uh, bra? Um, I mean, mostly the same shit. So, <laughs> also mostly nothing. Right. Like a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, dude, it was a it was a long weekend uh, last weekend, and I enjoyed the shit out of that. I watched so much college football; it was fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched much Star Trek's oh, last God. weekend, and not much football. Oh. But I do have I did uh, spend some time and convert the NFL schedule into a spreadsheet, and then into a, a comma separated value file, Ooh. so that. Uh, Hopefully I can write a little code this weekend and upload the rest of the schedule to the football pool without having to enter it manually. All right. Well, here's what's going to happen when you try to do that. Tom. You're going to you're going to upload it. You're going to push the button and you're and you're going to like have a little spasm and then everything in the holodeck's going to turn into a picture of you. Every character is going to look like you and have all of your skills and abilities. Oh no, man. Did you just watch Elementary Dear? Oh no, I'm sorry. A Fistful of Data? Yeah, I watched Fistful of Data like three days ago. and it That's was, very bad. It was a real bad time. Very bad. It's it's bad. It's bad before the holodeck becomes too many Datas. It's bad when it's just Worf and Alexander are going to go play Sheriff in the holodeck. It's bad before that, dude. It's bad in the teaser. It's bad when everyone is deciding what they're going to do with their little vacation. Because they're, I don't know, in for refits or something. I feel like in mm-hmm. season six and seven, the Enterprise goes in for refits like 15 times. Uh, I hadn't noticed all of the times that they're on a mission for like three weeks at a time. Like when they're out like charting some kind of cluster or something? Right. And it's like, oh, shit is gradually getting weird. Yeah. Away from star bases or whatever. But we've been out here hell- like hella weeks now, dog. Uh, so anyway, they're all trying to decide what they're going to do with their dumbass vacation. And uh, Worf keeps trying to, like, be productive, and Picard forces him to not be productive, and it made me really mad. Worf was like, I can, I can find something to do with the time. Like, there's always work. And Picard's like, just fucking take a break, you stupid douche. That's the same shit people are always doing to Picard, though. That's true. I just feel like, you know, you should know Worf. Worf's not gonna be happy just hanging out. That's not his deal. No, he already spends pajama time in his quarters with his bat left. That's all he needs. That's right, getting some good PJ time? PJB time? Them shits look so nubbly. Oh, man. They are, uh, there's textures. They're like waffle pattern yeah. pajamas. I think they're like super thermals. They're like the future of thermals. Do you think he keeps his quarters real cold? Yeah, dude, because on Kronos, as you can tell by the fact that everyone wears big heavy robes, like every alien planet, it must be hella cold as shit there. It does, I mean... There's also, I feel like, a lot of open flames on Kronos. See so what I mean? It probably is pretty chilly. Yeah, dude. It's like, they gotta have dumpster fires all over the place to stay warm, because it's just one big homeless planet full of fucking drunks. That's what I noticed. Guards going around those alleys, talking to crazy old ladies and shit. Weird place. I'm not going there. We watched, uh... <laughs> <laughs> The redemption, the you know the one. The Klingon Civil War. 
Yeah, Klingon Civil War. Yeah, that's Redemption. Uh, Written by Ron and, Moore, the worst person of all time. And uh, Picard like comes to Worf and he's like, "Dog, it is the hour. You got to get your family name back." <laughs> yeah. And then, like immediately, Picard's like, "Oh, I'm not helping you." Yeah, this is uh, totally on you. And also, uh, it's not uh, compatible with your duties as a Starfleet officer. It's like, how oh, dare you? Dog. How dare you try to look up files in the computer that are not protected in any way? He gives him that sigh. He gives him that sigh, like, "God, I can't believe I have to deal with this fucker." And it's like, "Yeah, you told him to do this, you idiot." Yeah, it's like you said that this was the specific moment to do this, and now you're like, oh, "I just figured you'd know how to do it," like. <laughs> Without, like, breaking my own personal Boo. Rules. Yeah, and then at the end, Worf's like, so I'm gonna go, like, fight these Klingons and get back my honor, right? This, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, no, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, you better... You better say goodbye to your new friend, Gowron. Worf and Gowron. Truly frenemies. Yeah. Absolute frenemies. Also... What... Like... Around the the cliffhanger. Yeah. They're like, oh, I heard you've been assigned to the Bortos. And he's like, yep, going off to do that now. And then the next time you see him, he's just on Curran's ship. And it's like, wait, what happened on the Bortos? Yeah, that was a quick tour of duty. You were Gowron's tactical officer, right? But now you're just hanging out with Curran all the time? And still Curran's tactical officer, by the way. He didn't even get his own command or anything. Fucking yeah, Worf. on the Vorn? What's Curran's ship? I, I don't believe remember. That's, I believe that's right. Isn't that right? That's right. <clears throat> The Hegtaw? Is that, is that a different one? No, maybe it is the Hegtaw. I don't fucking remember. Maybe Vorn was, anyway. If Vorn was Duras's ship, there might be an angry nerd out there who somebody hears this who's gonna be, like, super outraged. And yeah, it will be me when I go back just, and listen to them. It's just like, hey, you were just on the other ship, right? Like, they just said it. I know that in real life, there was a whole summer break yeah. in between these two episodes, but, like, you still kept the script and everything, right? Yeah, well, continuity is not Star Trek's <clears throat> strong suit. They were just like, no, you know, he should actually be hanging out with Kern. I mean, that's his brother, after all. His real we life care brother. about this family dynamic. This is the second time we've seen Kern of two total. <laughs> yeah, in TNG. He comes back in DS9. Uh, and, but then, they okay, so it's in one of the periods where Worf's family is in dishonor. There are many of them. And uh, he comes to DS9 and he's like, oh, I need you to kill me. So I can get honor back. There are a lot of ways to regain your honor in uh, in Klingon culture. But um, uh, and so Worf tries to kill him and he fails, and then they just end up erasing his memory and making him think that he's some other Klingon family, so he doesn't have to deal with a dishonor or whatever. But then like Worf gets his honor back like six weeks later, and I don't think they ever go back. And like, can you unring that bell? That's what can I'm you saying. unerase someone's memory? I'm not sure. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they ever even think about it. I don't think they're like, hey, what about Kern? I think they're just, like, out of sight, out of mind. Like, fuck that guy. It's a real uh, permanent solution to a <laughs> temporary political problem. Right? I mean, they've already seen Worf's family go into Dishonor and then come back out of it and then go back into it again. Like, I would just wait it out. Right? Yeah. Just, like, give it some time. Sure enough, Worf is, at one point, proclaimed leader of the High Council. So, let's just, just wait it out a little bit, Kern. Aren't there only, like, eight to ten people that even know what family Kern is a part of? Yeah, I know. You could pro you probably won't ever run into anyone who's gonna know, dude. But he couldn't bear the dishonor, so they instead erased his memory, which doesn't seem like an honorable solution, but whatever. I mean, apparently this shit gets around every single Klingon that Worf runs into during his period of discommendation, and the next generation seems to know about it. You definitely get the feeling that Worf is some kind of uber celebrity. They're all like, your name is not spoken on the home world. I mean, except by me. Worf is never like, I don't know, should it be? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't get back there very often. My name's not spoken on Earth, so... Yeah. Seems but, weird. Yeah, they don't know who I am anywhere. And I'm the only Klingon in Starfleet, and that's the only reason anybody knows who I am, and it's not that many people. So. Yeah, everybody is constantly surprised to see me here, so it's not like anybody on any planet knows speaks my name. But also, that sentence is a fucking contradiction, because clearly you know who he is, so someone's speaking his name. 
Yeah, that's right. Like, well, you heard it somewhere. You know who exactly who I am just on site. So hey, you're gonna you're gonna run into a Klingon in mustard yellow at some point. <laughs> his name is not. He's like the Voldemort of Kronos. <laughs> don't say his name, dog. Seriously, don't say. It. It's gonna be so bad if you say his name. Make sure you cross your arms and turn your back on him. Yeah. Also, tell him that you're not allowed to say his name. He's got probably gonna try to trick you into saying it for like magic reasons. But don't just don't say it. Oh yeah. Anybody. Well, if you if you say his name, he gets his honor back. Yeah. That's if how anybody anywhere on the home world says his name, it's a real bummer. Yeah, Doug. Uh, uh, Worf uh, has not been explored as a character. There's just we just need a little bit more. <laughs> we need to re- we only scratch the surface, and there's so much more under there. I can just feel it. If we ever got a chance to see him, we yeah. If Michael Dorn had said. Let's do a show about Worf. He's the only good character in Star Trek. I think I would have been all in. That's a lot more credible than saying, I don't think Worf's been explored. No, <laughs> no, like... He's the, the most explored. We've, we've met his adoptive parents and uh, his brother and his adopted brother yeah, and his nanny. His fucking grandfather. We've seen it all, dog. We've, we have seen Colonel Worf. <laughs> we know... We know everything about Worf. We know, we've seen so many adventures just starring Worf. Like, seriously. We know his wife. We know his child. We've seen his fucking Batleth tournament, multi-dimensional travels. We've seen him fucking hunt down the Sword of Kaelas with old-timey Klingons on DS9. We've seen oh, right. him... We know about his religion. Oh, God, yeah. We've seen him at Boroth Monastery praying it up good. We've seen him fucking bring back the Emperor, Kaelas. We saw the recreation of his Bar Mitzvah. Oh, yeah, that was... That was pretty lame. I think he, I think he chased his pants, dude. Probably. They were giving him that pain stick, and he was. Uh... John Tesh was getting hitting him with that pain stick. <laughs> he was into it. <laughs> I always forget that John Tesh going on. Yeah. Well, everyone's been in Star Trek, so you know. Sometimes you want to be in Star Trek, and they're like, "Oh God, I mean, we should put him in it, right?" But like, we can't give him a speaking role. It'll, it'll get some publicity if we put him in it. Can we put him in a lot of makeup? <laughs> like, can we make him look like a fishman that doesn't have any lines? Well, the worst is when they make Iggy Pop uh, like the guy with the second most lines in an episode. Yeah, when he plays that that's, Vorta. What is that? Some that's some Deep Space Nine nonsense. Late Deep Space Nine, and uh, first time I saw that dude, I went, "Oh, that's Iggy Pop. That's not good." That's it gonna pulls be you bad. out of it. That's gonna be really bad. And then he just talks the whole episode, and you're like, wow, they gave him, like, so many lines. It's bonkers. Don't do that. Does he, like, quote Iggy Pop songs? Yes, very subtly. It's very, he's like, I'm the passenger. Like, Shut the fuck up. That was him, right? I don't know any Iggy Pop songs. Oh, Lust for a Life? Did he just say something about Is that him? having a lust for a life? Probably said that. To me, that's like a Carnival Cruise Lines commercial or something, so... <laughs> I assumed it was written by John D. Carnival. <laughs> it was co-opted early on in yeah. your life. Yeah. There are a lot of songs that I always... <clears throat> the first time I heard them was shocked to find out they were by reputable artists because I'd only ever seen them in shampoo commercials and stuff like that. Like the first time I was going through... Listening to Stevie Wonder songs when I was like 15 and I recognized every song from some terrible jingle or ad whatever i don't know probably barfing gay songs right in some cases like definitely my first exposure to i heard it through the grapevine was the california raisins oh boy (laughs) i can believe that i see what they were going for there the grapevine i get it i get a california raisins well look can you blame them when what year do you think that was uh, it's probably 1986. All right. Well, what, what the hell else were they going to choose? Some contemporary? Where are they going to go with some fucking Duran Duran or something? There's not a lot of grape based songs. That's, so that's if you're doing raisin stuff, like, uh... hold on, I'm going to ask Google to confirm. Google songs about grapes. Let's see what comes up here. <clears throat> Not a lot. Uh, there's a song by Black Eyed Peas. I'm not surprised. He was probably eating a bunch of grapes. Will I am? <laughs> and then and then went, oh, I got an idea for a song. Of course, it's just, I like grapes. And, and you're like, oh, okay. No, likes grapes. No more than two and a half minutes later, that had been recorded. So, <laughs> he's a genius. Well, he's the genius behind Boom Boom Pow. <laughs> that was a 
number one hit. Oh, yeah. A number one hit. Boom, boom, pow. <sighs> well, that is the difference, my friend, between the mid-aughts and, uh, like, the mid-60s, right? Can you imagine having to release that when um, 19 Motown acts had a, had a record out the same week? I mean, look, you say that, but, like, boom, was Surfing Bird a hit? Let's see. Boom, boom, pow, dude. <clears throat> The song is not more complicated than the title. The song is, like, exactly the title. Surfing Bird went to number four. Maybe, yes. Okay. Are you are you going to, are you planning on disagreeing with me on this? Listen, About I'm not the saying... the 60s versus the aughts? I'm not saying that the work of Motown was not better than the work of the 2000s because that is an insane position okay good but i'm saying that dumb songs have always found a way to get to the top oh that's true yeah yeah. i mean there was the big bopper he existed uh it's true chantilly lace is a pretty terrible song one of the, it's one of the worst oh yeah this is a big bopper speaking oh, I will i what will i what <laughs> you're like uh doug this is like this is like the late 50s. You can't be this weird. It's too weird. It's too weird for the 50s, it's gonna for sure. It's going to freak people out. A chantilly lace with a pretty face. It's like, oh, this is fucking horrible. Oh, baby, that's what I like! I'm just saying, the Black Eyed Peas sucked, but, uh, again, Surf and Bird by the Trash Man went to number four. All right, well, here's the difference. Uh, and, by the way, it's essentially the same as their previous song, Papa Umau Mau. God damn it, they did have two, didn't they only had two, though, right? Two hits. The Trash Men. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That was a song by somebody else. Oh, okay. All right. Just sounds the same. The that same song, thing. here's what Wikipedia says. The song was a combination of two R&B hits by the Rivingtons. Mm. The Birds, The Word, and Papa Umau Mau. So the Rivingtons are really responsible for those two shit songs. Yeah, apparently. Well, what I was going to say was, here's the difference. Uh, I believe the Black Eyed Peas are, like, one of the best charting groups of all time. Yeah, and the Trashmen were a stupid one-hit wonder. Yeah. A stupid, dumb one-hit wonder. Yeah, that's what that's what the Black Eyed Peas deserve to be. It's just, I mean, not even that, but that's the most they deserve, is to just show where, up and go away. Where is the love, Matthew? Yeah, Black Eyed Peas need all... Uh, mostly I feel exactly like you do. Like I was driving home last week and I just put on my Supreme's greatest hits. Oh man. And, it, and, I and just your eardrums like, took a second to like recover. And then... I was just like, Oh, I love this song. Oh, this is a good song too. Oh, I love every one of these songs. Yeah, dog. They had like something like 14 number one hits. And, uh, a lot of those were just consecutive. Just like everything they put out went to number one. Yeah. Uh, and it's cause they had HGH dude. It's all about songwriting. When it gets down to it, your recording quality can suck ass, as we've seen from other groups of the era. And uh, Motown was never never really had that problem. You can have pretty weak singers. You can have, you can even have lame instrumentation if you want. Again, these are not things that Motown suffered from. But if you got good songwriting, that's that's enough. And HGH, man, they were like, I mean, prolific doesn't even really get to, you know, doesn't really describe what they did. They had like uh, no. 50 number one hits or something written by HDH. Yes, between the Supremes and the Four Tops and... Uh, and a million other Motown artists that they wrote for at various times. Right. Yeah, they... Uh, beasts. Total beasts. Oh yeah, when you get to like... Uh, fucking I Hear a Symphony and... You know... I want to say You Can't Hurry Love, but then I just always think about that horrible Phil Collins version. Here's what I, uh, what I noticed about I Hear a Symphony... So there's an instrumental break. The song is called I Hear a Symphony. Yeah. The corny thing to do would be for the solo to be on a symphony instrument. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just a sax- there's a saxophone solo. <laughs> that is the Motown symphony. Like, you get it. It's about a symphony. <laughs> we're not going to just... It's not going to be an oboe. Yeah, we're not going to fucking hit you over the head with that shit. We're going to play a saxophone. We're going to play yeah, there's a, a string. there's a string section in this. Uh, there's also a string section in most Supreme songs. Yeah. High strings, dude. That's about where it's at. Yeah. 
So even though this is I hear a symphony, uh, here comes that farty farty saxophone solo. <laughs> it's like uh, they mute it in just the right way. It is the best muted saxophone. Do you, you have to mute it to make it sound like that, or is that just what they sound like? I, I'm not sure. Because that one sounds pretty real funny. farty. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was listening to the, uh, the iPizzle, and uh, a rarity happened. A non-Midnight Oil song came up. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything that is on my iPod when I shuffle is Midnight Oil. And it was... A uh, certain amount of it, yeah. And it was Marvin Gaye, and I was just sitting back, and... Uh, I don't know. I was just wondering what the hell happened to humans, and why we can't... Why nothing has come out in the last, I don't know, 20 years that is... Or very few things have come out that, have, that are creative in any meaningful way. That are new or unique. Uh, or good. Oh, man. So this is um, this is just the vocals and the uh, rhythm section for I Want You. This is 1976, so this is deep into his creative era. Here is uh, all the layering that he does with just a bunch of Marvin. There's at least four voices at this point. Yeah. Later on, there are at least three, three like lead singers later in the song. Eight of me. Yeah, what use would he have for for backup singers, really? <laughs> yeah. So it just layers and layers and layers and layers. If you skip towards the end of that song, it's like uh, there's like five backup Marvin Gaye's and three lead Marvin Gaye's all tearing it down. And again, that was that version doesn't even have most of the instrumentation in it. But it's just right. like oh, he had that all planned out in his head. And he was on so much cocaine. Now, do wait, do you think he planned it out? Or do you think he was just like, let's do another one? And then just saying something different. I don't know. I mean, especially when you listen to some of the other ones with the isolated vocals, like, um, what's going on? I definitely get the feeling that there's, a, like, a, a plan. Like, this was carefully crafted. But the point is, it's something that no one else had ever sounded like, and no one has really sounded like since. Yeah. And it's going on at the same time as Stevie Wonder is fucking blowing it out in his, what they call his classic era. They're both in their post-Motown era. <laughs> Here's, speaking of Motown. Uh, it's almost as farty as the guitar man's guitar. 
Jerry, yeah, Jerry Reed. It's not possible. Not possible to be that farty <laughs> in real it. in real life. <laughs> no one can match the fartiness of Jerry Reed's guitars. Um. So I mean, I, I so I pointed this out when we were talking about "I Want You." That that song sounds like it could be on the Love Below. Yes, and so and what I was going to say was, whenever we have this conversation, I don't know, probably even have it on the pod show, but whenever we have this conversation, it's like there's a couple of things that stand out in the last twenty years that I would call creative achievements, and one of those is the Love Below, the, that portion of the double album. Right. Speakerbox again being an outstanding hip hop record, but not really, not really like a creative achievement. It doesn't, it doesn't really break any new ground. But there aren't many examples. You know what I mean? Like, what what other ones can you think of? of like uh, artists or groups that you find like to be really creative. The last twenty years. I mean, there are a lot of groups that are putting out good music. Good's fine. I, but, I don't even know if it's lots. Is it really? I mean, but music that sounds like they took acid <laughs> and went into their own musical headspace with ideas that only made sense to them. Right. I have had a hard time thinking of examples. Yeah. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be drug induced, but it seems to help. It seems to help. But I think what you're going for is that. Something that sounds like music that has not previously existed. Yeah, I'm looking for something that's new, and I don't think we've done a new thing in American music in like a long time. Hmm. I don't know that anyone else is doing anything new either. I'm just saying, like, what what is our music scene? It's like Beyonce puts out a record every once in a while, and like yeah, that's the main stuff. And then now that's what I call music volume eighty eight. Yeah, like, they're uh, uh, they're up there. And then it's a bunch of indie bands that all kind of sound a little bit alike and are not really taking any chances like so i just i don't really know what we're doing anymore i would love for people to send us examples of something they would consider some kind of artistic achievement what about what about this as a counterpoint be sure <laughs> is this the last 20 years uh, it is not <laughs> It's a sin to tell a lie. Well, this is an artistic achievement. Millions of hearts have been broken just because these words were spoken. I love you. Yes, I do. Can we get to the Picard? I mean, Patrick Stewart solo. <laughs> Are you ashamed to know that I don't know the song quite well enough to know how to do that? I'm a little ashamed. Be sure it's true <laughs> when you say, I love you, darling. Because. Because you know it's a terrible sin to tell a lie. So many, oh, so many hearts have been broken. And all because, because these words were spoken. I love you. Wow. Yes, I do. But don't forget that that's Michael Dorn in the background, too. Oh, I never forget. I think it's. I think it is time now to change the name of the podcast. I think we finally qualify this as a Star Trek podcast. Who best? But how could I not? Um, that was Brent Spiner from his seminal album "Old Yellow Eyes" is back. God, I think he thinks he's Data. Yeah, he might think he's Data. Uh, I don't know what's better, Patrick Stewart saying "because" so many yeah, times. That, how, is he putting on some kind of weird accent? I don't know. Uh, or. Just the fact that the whole time he's doing that in the background, Brent Spiner's just going, ba di da, da di da, da da. <laughs> he probably tried to have that included in an episode. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he was like, there should be an episode where I sing. Yeah. I mean, he does sing Abdul. Oh, God. See? Uh, 
uh, Boo Boo Azir or whatever. Yeah, you see, that's what I'm saying, dude. He probably went to the director and said, I wrote this, I didn't write it. I, I covered this amazing song. It sounds amazing when I do it, Old Yellow Eyes, and it needs to be in an episode. Like on the holodeck or something fun. Fight the one time ever they told him no. He probably pitched a lot of holog- holodeck episodes where shit went got weird for data. Dude, he must have. There are so many. And data. Um. Sorry, my point is well taken, right? Like, what are we doing? Can somebody do something interesting? Marshawn will argue that Kanye West is a true artist, but. I find it difficult to agree. Yeah, I don't... I do think he... He's not breaking new musical ground. I think he's good at what he does. I think he tries, and I appreciate the effort, and I like some of his stuff. Um, I don't think it rises in either, like, new artistic ground or even really in quality. So what about... For one thing, he is one of the worst singers I've ever heard. And sometimes he tries to sing, and it is a problem. Uh, yeah what about like um what about that hot minute when it looked like dubstep was gonna be with us yikes and that i I don't know if you brought that up or if marjon brought that up somebody said that recently when i was complaining when i was doing my rant and they're like what about dubstep and i was like well thank god that only lasted like eight months but can you imagine how bad that would be if that is what music became but it's like i mean early rock and roll was pretty bad yeah Fucking like, uh... People fucking their cousins and everything? Rock around the clock or whatever. Yeah. Like, rock eventually turned into something else. What if the irritating dubstep that was that eight months had had caught on and eventually... People who were actual artists and not just people who figured out how to make their uh, computer make a weird noise mm. had gotten a hold of that formula? And done something creative and interesting with it. Well, shit, no one's stopping them. It's just that... No, no, no it's all that's all still available to them, but it just didn't... I don't think it got big enough. Yeah. Well, it was a joke. It was too much of a joke from the start. One of the problems is no... There isn't a large enough number of people that consume anything anymore in music for anything to really catch on. Well, sort of like we're talking about, all the highest record sales and all these terrible compilations and weird things for like... Someone will, someone will put out an album and it'll be the number one album, but it'll sell like one fifteenth of what the number one album would have sold in nineteen ninety four or whatever. That's how Cake ended up with that number one. <laughs> right, the lowest selling number one record of all time or whatever it was. We all. So I think that's part of it is that there is no popular music scene really outside of just a couple of artists, and so nothing catches on. But I just even just with my ears, I haven't really heard anything in ages that's been that I've been curious about. A couple of years ago, um, Frank Ocean put out a record called Channel Orange that I thought was pretty pretty creative until I realized it was mostly an NERD cover. Mm. And then I looked it up and realized that uh, Pharrell that was involved with the record. Yeah, that NERD album that came out around the year 2000 yeah, um, was pretty different from the other stuff that was happening in that space. Yeah, NERD, they got some stuff going on, but... <clears throat> uh, no one ever really dies. Yes, that is what it stands for. But now it's Pharrell has become so ubiquitous and um, omnipresent, and uh, and you can pick him off just anything, any track that has even like casually just gone over his desk or whatever. Like you can tell. You mean, have you have you heard Justin Timberlake's recent song? What's his most recent song? He like he dropped one in May. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's on the soundtrack to that uh, like Trolls movie or something. Oh no, I didn't hear any any troll uh, soundtrack. And a lot of people are saying uh, he's trying to make he's trying to recreate Happy. Oh, I believe that. By like putting out a, a song right before summer that's tied into an animated movie and it's upbeat, whatever. Uh, it's just not you know, it's not it's not a good song. Yeah. But I think what people mostly don't like about it is that it seems real thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Well I assumed you would have heard it, but apparently you have not. I, I have I have not heard it. Uh I think I probably heard it on a commercial for the troll movie, but did not really pay much attention to it. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Timberlake for a while uh, looked like he was going to be a thing when he was either a Pharrell disciple or a, a Timbaland disciple. But uh, yeah, nothing there either. I don't know. I'm just uh, I, I'm just disappointed all the time that I keep having to go back four or five decades whenever I want to hear something that sort of seems like it's doing something interesting. What about like trap music? Like music you play when you go out like trapping squirrels and skunks and stuff. Yeah, Jerry Reed particular, <laughs> I think would work well for that. No, it's uh it's a, a subgenre of hip hop. It's like uh it's a little bit slowed down. The people do do it don't seem too talented, but it does seem to be taken off anyway. <laughs> this, is a good, this is a good intro. Oh, like you know that song Panda? No. Panda? What's what's Panda? I'm sorry, I, I don't know what. Panda I don't have it on my phone. I was like, I got broads in Atlanta. No, you don't know this song. No, is okay. it in a troll movie? No, it's, I don't think it's in the troll movie. Oh. Uh, but maybe I'm just trying just to think. Like, of, I'm trying to think of a good example of trap music. I may have to resort movies. to the Wikipedia to remember the names of any of these shits. Well, yeah, I mean, um, everyone can think about it. Everybody think about it, and you can agree with me if you want because it's pretty easy. You know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't, it's, it's a bummer. It's a, that's why I've been in a music rut for like 12 years. I think I complain about it all the time. Like I did, I'm tired of everything on my iPod, kind of, and I just don't know what else to add to it. I try, I listen to like Spotify all the time, trying to pick up something new. It's always just like not quite. <clears throat> But, you know, if anybody has some uh, previously unreleased Marvin Gaye they want to send me or something like that, it'd be great. Something, I, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of uh, Fetty Wap, so. I, do you know? I have heard of that. Okay. So, I mean, just a song called Trap Queen, that's probably the one that most people know. Ah, because she caught so many possums. Yep. So many of yep. possums. Also, um... They called her the Etowah Swamp Rat and folks despised her. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that mojo clow. Duh. Made her breath smell funky. So, you can understand. Um, yeah, so, anyway. Yeah, like I said, join the conversation, everybody. Uh, at, at Brother Date, send us uh, on the Twitter things that, that would either confirm my worldview or shatter it. We got some tweets. Let's talk about them. Let's, uh, yeah. I think, as usual, it's just going to be us trying to figure out what people are talking about. I, uh, now I'm pretty sure that Ryan, at least, is doing it on purpose. Uh, he definitely is. I had dinner with him oh, okay, late last week, and I said, C- you couldn't, like, at least drop the episode number <laughs> I know, cause he's like, along with your tweets so that so we have some clue, and he just said no. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's enjoying it, I think. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, you know what? It's kind of like a, a, a quiz show. We kind of we have yeah. to figure it out. So he says, uh, "I've seen Quicksand. Let me know if you want to visit it." Okay. We probably asked whether Quicksand was a real thing. Are you meaning to play that? Yeah, yeah that's okay. this is trap trap queen. Uh, haven't really gotten underway. Uh, he says also Elon. I guess that's how he refers to Elon Musk. Type. He works for him in a way. Already has a prototype self-plugging in Tesla charger. Dog. What is that? A robot that fucks your car <laughs> with electricity? Yeah, like it fucks so many volts into it. So I've heard like uh, a million songs that sound like this. Yeah, well, this is like the third wave of trap music. Yeah. I don't know. Let me. Uh, I don't know that it does anything at all for. Yeah. It's just like a different flavor. Yeah. Uh, also from Ryan. Uh, your apocalypse plan is simple to execute. I like it. Now, I think this is a reference to my famous apocalypse plan. In case of the apocalypse, lie down in the street and wait to die. That's right. It is very simple. It's one step. 
and you know what? I th we went over a lot of the permutations, and it seemed like no matter what kind of apocalypse it was, your plan pretty much stayed the same. So, yeah, just uh, yeah. it has to be a real apocalypse. It can't just be uh, you know like a flash flood or something. Right, right. Yeah, real end of the world, and uh, oh. ev eventually laying in the street, uh, your end will come. So. Also, also from Ryan, uh, cannot stand Phil Miller. Now, I forgot who Phil Miller was for a second. I, I have no idea who that is. Uh, I believe it is the character from Last Man on Earth. Ooh. So, I think what has happened now is he has caught up to the first episode where we have begun to read his nonsense tweets. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Good. Right. Okay. Uh, he also says, it also rains enough in Kentucky that you wouldn't need power to irrigate your crops. Um, I don't remember talking about this. Yeah, I, I know you don't need power to irrigate crops. For a long time, <clears throat> there was no power in the sense that you mean. And yet we still had crops? But there, there were definitely crops, is the thing. Designer with the uh, Panda. Uh, it sounds like he's in the kitchen. Oh yeah, well, that. I can tweak the EQ probably. Yeah, maybe he's just into uh, Yeah, this guy is like pretty unknown, so that could be. Um, then some actual suggestions. So in a, a pair of tweets, he said, "This podcast needs more games." Correction needs better games. And this is something that we've talked about. Um, I know that Marjan feels like we at least need segments. Yeah, break it up a little bit. You want it up? No, 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 I'm saying you want to break it up a little bit. Is that loud enough? You want more? I'm giving more design. Um, uh, no, uh, yeah, uh, this is, so far, it's been pretty freeform. Yeah, so it, it does definitely lack structure. So, um, you know, like, we did a slight amount of planning. I downloaded I Want You so right. that we could play it. <coughs> Maybe we'll do some more. We'll figure it out. Suggestions? I don't know about actual games. Suggestions, people. Don't, uh, that's not a suggestion. You know what I mean? Like, we, something specific. What do you got? What do you got, Ryan? Hold on. I don't know if he's caught up yet. Might be a while. Yeah, it might be a while. Um, so I'm going to read his next couple of tweets uh, in a row because I don't know what they mean. Um, well, it's possible that this one is a follow-on to those two. Holy shit, request granted you're a goddamn time traveler. So he may have listened to the one episode where we played a game. Ooh, I wonder what it was. Um, I don't even remember. We played a game. Did we play the game? Let me... Let me take a look here. Uh, I I put together two little quizzes oh. early early in the podcast run to do. Um, did we do? Did we do quizums? Yeah, we did quizums. That's where I asked whether uh, if you had a, a nickname, whether it made you a member of a U.S. Navy fighter squadron or whether it was a oh. made up racial epithet. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That one was fun. Um. Yeah, I think because this one is in colors, uh, we did a quiz where I, I also where I asked you to name the styles of various characters. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Maybe that's and the... you. Um, like you basically got all of them. That's that might be the one where he requested a better game. That game yeah. was specifically for you. Yeah, no one else, Listen, really anywhere, could possibly get enjoyment out of that. Uh, there's a reason this show is called Brother Date. Yep, it is for you and me. I agree. That's why I'm saying. That's why we haven't implemented any games. It's because we have to find something that's interesting to us. Yeah. Yeah. But I am open so, to suggestions. If you have a suggestion about something like that, feel free to let us know. Uh, we apparently will read any tweet. For instance, uh, yes. he also said, "We're out here and we have not seen the lions." Okay. I don't think he was in Detroit. Nope. Maybe uh, British Columbia. I think that's the name of their CEO. No, oh, maybe. I don't remember him going to British Columbia. Yeah, well, then I don't know. Uh, they kind of live, like, on the east side near the hills. Maybe mountain lions? Ooh, could be. 
I don't know. I just don't remember bringing you up. That's fine. That's cool. This is like, uh, basically, the this Twitter section always just turns to, like, in the vault, like, where we try to figure out what we have talked about in past yeah. episodes. And I don't remember any of it. Yep, me neither. And as I, as I pointed out to him when we were talking about this, I, I don't listen to these episodes ever. Me neither. You edit them, and I upload them. And I only barely listen to them. And I do not listen to them. Yeah. All right, everybody? So. You, um, you are our biggest fans. Apparently, though, he's been rewatching the Next Generation, so he enjoys all of our Next Generation oh, talk. Thank goodness somebody does. There uh, is all, gonna, all, all these Ryan questions get broken up by an actual question that we can answer yeah. because it is from Ben. Ah. And it says <laughs> At Brother Date, who's the second voice behind Matt's in the intro music? Another Matt? Marjon? High pitched Judah? It is a sexy beast. It is? Another Matt. It is, yes. High voice Matt. It's, you know, hold on, I can do it higher. It's higher! It's, whatever. It's not important. <laughs> but it's me, I promise. Uh, yeah, when I sent Matt the... Uh, when I sat down and to fool around and come up with a podcast, I uh, amused myself with how much I came up with an 80s sitcom tune. <laughs> it, really did, it really did sound like uh, and I just sent it to him and was like, hey, check out my 80s sitcom tune. And then he just sent me back, here it is with lyrics. <laughs> so, Dude, um, think of the powerful songwriting team we would be. You spend, that's right. We, we will be the new Holland Dozier Holland. You spend a lot of time coming up with a musical track. And then I will shit out some bad lyrics in five minutes. And just lay it right <laughs> down on a, like a headset mic. Katie did ask if Sandusky and Kim Jong-un were the two worst people you could think of. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm kind of neutral on them. I just feel like it's, you know, maybe they're misunderstood. Oof. I'm not a defender. Oof. I'm not going to defend them. I just think maybe we don't know the whole story. That's all. Uh, so, yeah, both voices are Matt because uh, nobody asked him to write or sing lyrics. Uh, <laughs> he just did it. I'll do it for anybody. Anybody want to send me some tunes? I'll, I'll lay it down. I don't care. You know, you know the old adage that it's... Uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. That's right. Yep. That's how Matt lives his life. That's true. I'm just always asking for forgiveness. Yeah. So time. it is Matt. Um, the uh, the weird character who sings "Please Subscribe to Brother Date" at the end of every episode is me. It's you. It's, I, I like, it's me doing a voice. I like to call I it your South Park voice. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of it as like old Tommy Prospector, but yeah, I guess it is well, pretty South. Park. I think that's what South Park is doing too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like know that. why a pro- prospector would have anything to do with the podcast, but that's how I was feeling that night. Well, what about Prospector Cast, my favorite prospecting podcast? Oh, that's what we should have done. Yeah, that's a theme. That would have been pretty good. That's really our problem. You know, <clears throat> I think we're really good on the little stuff. It's the big picture that we're really struggling with. Like an overarching theme for the show. Like answering the question, why do you have a podcast? Yes. Like, why do why bother? Like that yeah. question, I, I don't know. No, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I do not. Matt, your wife wrote in to ask, uh, well, to say rather. Dude, this is like so many tweets. I am... she, she never asks a question. I'm sorry. She wrote in to correct us. Good. Well, somebody and needs say, to. Uh, at brother date, the cancellation of hashtag TOS, that's the original series of Star Trek, nice. is not an indication of its quality. People were just not ready for its revolutionary ideas. There you go. <clears throat> that is a hot take. It is a very hot take. I always tell her, even in sex, I say, have a take and don't suck. What were... Oh, God! Yeah! <laughs> I made Judah unhappy. But... I think the podcast ended. <laughs> People weren't ready for the revolutionary ideas that there's no right way to hit a woman. Right. Uh, also that uh, tell Jose he'll get his chilies. Tell Jose he'll get his chilies. Uh, a charming negress. People were not ready for the revolutionary idea that there's no room for women in your world of starship captains. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Also, every woman on the ship is in love with the captain. Yeah, oh, what Hondo? Yeah, people, people weren't ready for the. <laughs> yeah, I know it doesn't seem very revolutionary when you think about it. It's not, but it is. It's 
a ham-fisted metaphor. It's very stagey, though. It's very off-Broadway. But, I mean, this was, um... This was in the mid and late 60s. This show came out in a sort of post-civil rights era, or the civil rights era had already begun. Mm. The supposedly radical ideas in Star Trek were already being said out loud. Yeah. Un- uncouched in stupid metaphors. Yeah, it's actually kind of like they were waiting for somebody else to say it. By serious people? Yeah. It's not like they were breaking new ground. It's like, if there was stuff in the original Star Trek that was not being said aloud by large groups of people in society... Like if they if there was a Star Trek episode that was like one hundred percent about gay marriage and it's like, oh yeah, only now are we ready to understand that idea. Yeah. Then um then your wife would be making sense in this uh <laughs> Twitter comment. But the fact of the matter is there was really nothing radical in Star Trek. Like, I guess this is the first time you saw a black person and a white person pretend to kiss each other on TV. Yeah, I guess what she's saying to defend her is that on TV you weren't like on dramas and comedies you weren't necessarily seeing these things. That even that even if in society they were talking about these ideas, that it hadn't made its way onto uh, rich whitey TV. The fact of the matter is, it was canceled for the same reason that everything gets canceled. Not enough people were watching it. That's my point. Yeah, no one really cared about it. Just no one cared. And that I did use that as proof that it wasn't good, but it's also just not good on its own. Just on yeah, its own merits, it's not good. No, no, it's true. <laughs> that that evidence is not required. It's 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 hack. So good correction. It's it's about as good as the 1966 Batman. Yes. When I'm, you think about it, it is a good correction in that yes, the two things don't necessarily mean the same thing. That being canceled means your show is not quality. But all I'm saying is it was real hard to get canceled. Just real hard. And they found a way. And it wasn't because of radical ideas. It's just because no one gave a shit. So, you know, that's how it goes. But still, hot take. I like hot takes. Also, this is like the richest Twitter segment ever. It's crazy. Yeah. So many tweets. Um, Ryan tweeted three more times. Uh, I don't care about one of them. He just says that he he listened to the pneumonia infected podcast, no. but that whatever. Congratulations. Um, I had pneumonia. That that happened. <laughs> we were crushing the the Twitterers. He says you left out Picard's flute thing. Can that be true? I mean, I feel like we probably talked about it, but I don't know specifically when we left it out. Uh, now I haven't gotten to either inner light or lessons. I've seen Those are the two, right? Yeah, I've seen inner. Well, no, because in Fistful of Datas, he's doing flute stuff in the beginning. Uh, he's doing in Fistful of Datas too. Okay. Yeah, uh, but I have seen those two, but I have not yet seen uh, the one with the rollout piano. Yeah, fucking horrible Frere Jaca <sighs> improvisation scene that makes me crazy because they don't have to stop once and go. Oh wait, what were you doing there? Oh no, okay, all right, no, I got it, I got it. They just like both so, just go off on their fucking merry way. Fuck so it. we didn't leave it out. You're just ahead of us. Like, yeah. we typically only talk about episodes that we've both watched in this run-through. Yeah, yeah. Which tends to be the last episode that I watched, uh, which was Unification Part 2, uh, by the way. So Sarek's dead. Sarek is dead. I feel, yeah. like, um, I feel like that guy was the best actor on the show. Mark Leonard? Is it okay to say that? I feel like he was the best actor on the show. What about... Playing a guy who's not supposed to have any emotions. So maybe it's easy, I don't know. What about <clears throat> Paul Winfield playing Dathan? Oh, yeah, he was... And Dharma. I know Katie had some feelings about him. She had Katie some... felt so bad for him every time his attempt to communicate with Picard failed. She felt like he must be saying to himself, this guy's an idiot. Well, he had to. He was like, Picard was really married to the idea that that guy wanted to fight him. Yeah. Like no matter what the guy did, he's like, "I won't fight you." It's like, despite the despite the the cold open where they say, uh, "We've encountered these guys seven times in the past, and there's never been a problem, but we can't communicate with them." Yeah, we always just kind of look at each like, other. I'm, and... I'm I'm here. I'm gonna toss your knife back. Don't want to fight you. <laughs> yeah, the guy like tries to hand him like half a cold cut. He's like, "I won't fight you with this sandwich." 
No! Also, Picard um, tries to light that fire. Yeah. And he, like, gets a fire going and he just can't get it to sustain itself. And he just gives up. <laughs> He's like, like, I'll never complete this second part of it. Like, dog, you got 95% of the way there. That is the hard part. You did the hard part. You can do it again. Like, you don't just have to sit there clutching your velour jacket. Also, to make the point about how hard it is for them to communicate, it does take Picard a really long time to figure out metaphors. I don't know, maybe I feel that way because I've seen the episode before. But it does take him a long time to like figure out, not only is the guy using metaphors, which is obvious, but that like the metaphors have meaning. Like, he wouldn't just be saying them for no reason. Just like, no, nah, I just like say random shit. You know, non-sequiturs. It's my thing. It takes Picard a long yeah. time to figure out that, that is like how he's this is the episode that um, that people in academia care about. Mm, like, about this is the episode that people use in classes. About an idea about things? Yeah. Um, but really, you have to kind of ignore everything that's not going on on that planet. Well, yeah, because the... Because the stuff that's happening up on the Enterprise is very dumb. <laughs> it's another thing where they get 95% of the way to something and then abandon it. Yeah, like, is this Troy and Data? Yeah, Troy and Data, and then they're like, oh, hang on. Uh, when we asked about Tanagra, it said the same planet as Darmok. Oh, he's a hunter and that's an island on this one planet? Okay, let's not, A, let's not ask any more questions about that. Yeah, we don't need to like, know that's in the means. database. Let's not see if there's, like, what did Darmok do at Tanagra? Yeah. Like, hey, that could be important. Uh, no, dude, they called the like, quits, they went in and had a drink early. They're like, well, we'll never be up. It's a metaphor. We'll never be able to understand them. It's like, well, hang on. You should be able to understand what that metaphor means. Like, this is not, this is the, they try the dumb Juliet on her balcony example. They're like, well, if you didn't know what that, that myth was, you would, it wouldn't mean anything. It's like, well. Why don't you ask about the myth, idiot? The ship knows. Yeah. The ship clearly like, knows. The, the ship sh- gave you the info. The ship said Darmok was a mytho-historical hunter on Sibelius three or whatever. Right. And then the Tanaka was an island on Sibelius 3. Hey, look at all of the myths from Sibelius 3. Like, Data can learn them all instantly. Take them, like, one second. Yeah. Yeah, it is bullshit. And then in the next scene... No, they just give up. Yeah, the and then scene, Riker just shoots the ship. They're in the conference room, and Riker's like, so what have you learned? They're like, I don't know, nothing. We got yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's, we've learned that it's impossible. It's just, yeah, can't be done. We, we almost got it, but we're not, like, fuck it. Which leaves Riker with his original plan anyway, which was to just find something to shoot. And they dropped 18 metaphors with very clear context. Like, every time that guy piped up, the captain was like, the the river, Tamark. Yeah. Like, you know that means stop. Shut up your fucking mouth. Like, you could call him and be like, hey, this force field thing, the river, Tamark, in winter. (laughs) That's right. Like, knock it off, in winter. (laughs) Yeah, just try to get halfway there, you know? Give it a shot. I mean, well, look, this is exactly what Picard does when he's like, uh, uh, Temba, Temba, tell, tell me more. more about Darmok. <laughs> yeah, the guy gets it, like, because he, he's met kind of halfway. Yeah. Riker doesn't try that at all. He just screams into the fucking view screen over and over again, LOWER THE SHIELD! Yep, that's exactly what he does. And, like, and then they're like, well, guess we have to fire the phasers. Nothing we can do but shoot him. That's Riker's number one plan always. It's like, just pick, pick a part of the enemy ship and shoot at it, please. That is my plan. Yeah. Not a diplomat. Um, what I'm saying is, uh, I guess college professors that show this episode probably skip over that shit, right? They, should, they, should they probably they probably cut right to the conference room where they do the Juliet on her balcony example, and then they like, but they don't show the part where they figure that out because otherwise it just it just made me so angry. One of the students would raise their hand and go, "Why didn't they ask the computer what it meant?" Like, hey, uh, first of all, these guys must not be from that planet, right? Right. So they're using a borrowed metaphor. Right. So what if all of those metaphors are borrowed? We probably know some of them. That's right. Or, again, Data can just... Yeah, whatever ones the computer knows, Data can know. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, as usual, a plot not really well thought out. No, it's... I'm sure that the pressures of TV writing explain some of this. Oh, especially back then when they had to make like 25, 26 episodes per season. Yeah, these are 26 episode seasons, right? Yeah. So, like... I get it, but come on, guys. You did not make a show for the ages. You were counting on the fact that no one was going to see these episodes again. Well, as we talk about many times, I think television writing is the lowest form of writing. It's the lowest form of writing, right? Uh, but is it the... I mean, 
is it really like the is it the least well remunerated mm, that means um heated right yeah <laughs> it's like but, but it's like it must pay more to be a tv writer than to be a novelist oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. yes so why aren't the good writers doing it i don't know uh cronyism that's my guess Cronyism, I'm sure, is actually a pretty big part. I'm, I'm guessing that's what the problem. Is. I'm sure the showrunner. I mean, we know that the showrunner on this on this show got Gates McFadden fired. Yeah, he did. So clearly, they execute some power. I'm sure they're bringing in cronies. Yeah, I think that's. What and it is. in fact, all of the the early writers for the first season were all Gene Roddenberry's old buddies. Well, there you go. And then, and then eventually, it became fucking uh, Rick Berman's buddies. Yep. And uh, Rick Berman's buddies were the worst fucking people on the planet. Yeah, a bunch of real assholes, apparently. Just like based on the quality decline in this show. The Ron Moores and Brandon Braggas of the world? Fuck, fuck you guys. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, so, you know, people can say what they want about the show got better after Riker grew his beard, but then, like, explain how, when it, what happened when it got worse? Yeah, it's pretty quick, too. I re- again, I think we talked about it. got worse when Wesley fucked off, We really. talked about it a couple of episodes ago. I realized, like, part of the way into season five that I wasn't getting it episodes that it was just like, oh there just aren't any more coming yeah it's over hope you like gambit yeah you get it you get like season four you still get some good ones and then into season five you're like oh no that was it it all dried up you're gone I'm no just... it's like the last good one is the high ground and it's not that good <laughs> like in season three <laughs> i guess most people like best of both worlds yeah it's, and it's just the stakes are high in that episode which is rarely the case in the next generation it's uh, not Enterprise, which is every episode is a fucking shoot 'em up with uh, all of Earth and humanity on the line every time. Well, we've uh, we have descended again yep, into sorry. Star Trek talk, so it's probably a good place to cut it off. Sorry, everybody. Oh, except for Ryan, who likes it. There you go. Well, you oh, know. and uh, Ryan's last comment from a mere two hours ago. I don't feel like you always called each other dog this much. What? No, we just didn't do it on the podcast. We have called each other dog a lot for a long time. So I was going to say, I don't think he's hung out with the two of us together enough. He hasn't spent that much time. He's just used to listening to this podcast. Yeah. In fact, the last time I hung out with Ryan was at a Halloween party and you weren't there. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But I probably I put on a costume and he resents that. I might have called him dog. I don't know. It's possible. I use it a lot. Uh, that's Akewood, too. Yeah, probably. As much as anything. And I've been reading a lot of Akewood. Because we're like, um... We're like Akewood if we were both roast beef. <laughs> two roast beefs. Has that not been a plot line in Akewood yet? Uh, I don't think there have been two roast beefs. We see Showbiz every once in a while, but he is very much not like roast beef. No, not at all. And it distresses roast beef when he is around. <clears throat> Alright, well, uh, people. Tweet us your suggestions for games. Tweet us about music. Tell me if I am dumb. Um, so it's at Brother Date. You can subscribe on like the iTunes, or you can go to our website, which is brotherdate.com. And, uh, you know, we'll be back. Probably next week. Most likely. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, there's a song by Black Eyed Peas. I'm not surprised. He was probably eating a bunch of grapes. Will I am? <laughs> And then, and then when, oh, I got an idea for a song. Of course, it's just, I like grapes. And you're like, ah. Please subscribe.